Welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Certified Financial Planner Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth LLC. In this podcast, we help individuals and couples plan for a peaceful and enjoyable retirement. Join us on this journey where we explore the importance of simplifying the retirement planning process as Stephen, with his years of experience and expertise in retirement income planning, along with guest experts, will help you achieve first wisdom, then wealth. And don't forget to check out the Simplify Your Retirement online course and other great resources at SimplifyYourRetirement.com. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Stephen Strickland from WiseWealth. Stephen, how are you? I am doing great, Eric. I'm excited about uh, today's podcast. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. And I am also very excited. This is your first guest, officially your first guest today. Who'd you bring on the show? That's right. Well, we're excited to have uh, Larry Kotlikoff. He's an expert on social security. Mm. And so we're going to be interviewing him today. He's out of uh, Boston, Massachusetts. So we're real excited to have him as, as our guest for today's show. Absolutely. Larry, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Very happy to be here. All right, Stephen, let's let's do this. Let's have some fun today. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, as most of you know, been following the podcast, we've been going through, you know, pretty much our program that we, the course that we wrote, we wrote an online course called Simplify Your Retirement. We wrote a book called Simplify Your Retirement. Uh, we've got a, a, a live class that you can take and all these things and even the podcast. It's called the Simplify Your Retirement Podcast. All Everything we're trying to do on this show is to educate people, but ultimately the goal of education, ultimately the goal of knowledge is to help people have wisdom, and that is where they finally make decisions. They actually do something with what they've learned. And so uh, one of the topics that we just you know briefly talked about when we're talking about how to plan for income, we talked about how Social Security is one of the obviously major components of someone's retirement income plan, but we certainly didn't go into detail when we've talked about that in previous podcasts. And so today we want to focus this show entirely on social security. And you know, as, as a certified financial planner, which I am, I do a lot of, you know, financial planning, investment management, insurance uh, management, uh, you know, looking at taxes, looking at estate plannings, but it's great to come across someone who has a particular focus on something you know that is so important such as social security so financial advisors like myself uh certified financial planners look to people like larry uh to give us guidance and give us education because they're really focused on social security so i'm happy to introduce uh larry kotlikoff he's a william fairfield warren professor and professor of economics at boston university a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, a fellow of the Economic Society, and a research associate of the National Bureau of Economic Research. He received his BA in economics from the University of Pennsylvania and his PhD in economics from Harvard University. Uh, Larry is the director of the Fiscal Analysis Center and a regular contributor to Forbes.com. He started a firm called Economic Security Planning in 1993 and uh, he is with us today. Larry, thank you so much for joining me today. Great. Great to be with you. My pleasure. Yeah, really appreciate it. So I'm going to just dive right into the, you know, the questions a lot of times that we get asked from our clients and just, you know, I, I, there's so much that goes into Social Security. We're going to cover like the, the big picture today. So uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is when it comes to Social Security, it seems like everything is based on a person's full retirement age, or their primary insurance amount. Can you talk a little bit about that for a minute? Well, the um, 
The primary insurance amount is the full retirement benefit. So when you reach your full retirement age, if you don't haven't taken your retirement benefit before then, you'll get um, PIA, uh, mm -hmm. which is uh, the primary insurance amount uh, that um, being calculated based on your past history of earnings. So mm -hmm. if you take your benefits before full retirement age, and, and for anybody who's reaching, who was born in 1960 or later, the full retirement age is going to be 67. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're getting to the point where the full retirement age for people will be 67. Uh, right. And um, for them, um, you know, if they take their benefit earlier, which they can still do, which is uh, the earliest is age 62, the benefit's going to be reduced about uh, – 27% or so. Uh, and if they wait from, if they don't take it at full retirement age, if they make it to full retirement age 67, and then they decide to wait for three more years up to 70, their benefit will be increased actually relative to the full retirement benefit number. And that's going to be a um, benefit if they are patient. So the whole mm -hmm. difference between taking your benefit at 62 versus 70 is about a 76% differential, 76% higher if you wait. Now, your benefit uh, for your survivors, you folks just asked the question um, whether the uh, PIA, the full retirement benefit, determines all your benefits. Well, not really, because uh, the benefit that survivors are going to uh, collect on your uh, on your record depends in large part on exactly what, you're, what you've uh, received. So if you wait till right. age 70, you can often raise the survivor benefit for uh, your spouse right. uh, that you leave or your, even your ex-spouse if, if you, uh, you passed away uh, and having, having had uh, been, re, been um, married for at least 10 years. Yep. So no, that's a very good point, 70, Larry. Yeah. 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 No, I appreciate that. I think it's a very good point and, uh, and a good distinction because, yeah, I mentioned that it seems like everything is based on full retirement age, which is your primary insurance amount. But you, you brought up a good point, and that is the one thing that doesn't count on that is the survivor benefit, which definitely is something I want to talk to you about even uh, more in detail in a minute, but that is based on the actual time that you file. Uh, so you could, a spouse could actually receive as a survivor benefit a an age 70 amount, not a full retirement age amount. That's what you're saying? Uh, yeah. Now, okay. if their own benefit is higher than their own right. uh, retirement benefit exceeds the benefit of the uh, decedent, the age 70 benefit of the decedent, the decedent and wait until 70, mm -hmm. then they're actually not going to get any, any survivor right. benefits. Uh, they'll just yep. get, continue to get their own check. They'll get the larger of the two numbers. Get the higher of the two. Okay. So, you know, sometimes I hear people, I've heard different people say that it, it doesn't really matter when you take Social Security in regards to the amount that you'll receive based on if you live to your full life expectancy. So if a person lives their full life expectancy, they would receive the same amount of money from Social Security whether they started at 62, full retirement age, or age 70. Is that true? <laughs> I've always that's wondered that. That's not true. That is not yeah, true. That's okay. not, I mean, it is true, and it's not true. Okay. It's true on a, in an actuarial sense. So if you're um, thinking about, your, you know, if you're like an insurance company and you have mm -hmm. a million people who are, let's say, currently age 60, it's true that you could set up the benefit schedule so that uh, as people people took the amount of money early, if they took it later, mm -hmm. the average expected or the, what we call the expected lifetime payout would be the same because, you know, if you mm -hmm. took it later, 
you get a higher number, but you'd have it for fewer years. Now, yes. in point of fact, Social Security has these, this uh, kind of reduction for taking it early, but an increase for delaying it after full retirement age, which is called the delayed retirement credit. So it has this schedule of increases if you wait, but that schedule was set up uh, decades ago when uh, mortality rates were very different, much higher, and interest rates were different. So even today on an actuarial basis, um, or today on an actuarial basis, the thing is not actually fair. In other words, the expected mm-hmm. lifetime benefit from waiting is uh, much higher uh, than actually fair. It's much higher than, than uh, mm. if you take it early. But okay. the other really important thing, much more important thing to get across to your listeners here is that that kind of a calculation is appropriate for a life insurance company or an annuity insurance company. Right. It's not at all appropriate for individuals because you're not going to die at your life expectancy. You're not going to die for sure at any age. So you have to worry about the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. which is that you live to 100. You live your maximum age of life. So economics right. says that we need to value the, the benefit right up to our maximum age of life. And in that case, the life expectancy and these actual calculations are completely meaningless. It's like, uh, yep. and, they, and they lead us to make the wrong decisions about being patient to collect Very a much good. higher number if we wait. Yep, that's excellent. I appreciate that answer because, uh, you know, we get that asked sometimes. I've always kind of, you know, I've always felt the same thing. But uh, like you said, there there is a benefit to the delayed credits. And, uh, you know, if, if you if you want to plan, uh, you put the best plan in place, you want to, mat, you, you want to assume you're going to live to 100, not to 83 or whatever the case may be. So, um, and I know there's a lot of other factors that go into when you should take Social Security. And one of those factors is, you know, continuing to work. So um, how does continuing to work, you know, if someone wants to, you know, start taking Social Security and they're still working, um, how does that impact their Social Security benefits, you know, before full retirement age and after full retirement age? Yeah, I'll give you an example. It kind of comes comes back to home given where things are with, the, with COVID. Suppose uh, you've been furloughed, you're 62, let's say, you've been furloughed for the last few months and you've Kind of run out of cash and you need to take your benefits and then uh let's say three months from now y- your job comes back online mm-hmm. and uh you earn enough money to lose a sum or all of your benefits benefits under what's called the social security earnings test and uh that test uh, says that if you earn beyond a certain amount of money it's some number less than twenty thousand at this moment around 19 or so i think is a correct number uh you lose 50 cents on the dollar. So here you're thinking, Mm -hmm. gee, let's say in three months from now, you you get this offer from your boss to come back and work. And then you say to yourself, gee, if I work, I'm going to lose, I have to pay payroll taxes, federal income taxes, state income taxes, and then I'm going to lose 50 cents in benefits on the dollar. This doesn't pay me to go back to work. That's not actually the case. I mean, it is the case, but Mm -hmm. it's not the case. Here's, it is the case that you will lose 50 cents of benefits. But when you reach, reach a full retirement age, what Social Security is going to do is going to, uh, what's going to, what they say, what they call adjust your reduction factor. So they're going to bump mm. up your benefit at full retirement age in light of all the retirement benefits that you lost up till that full retirement age. So basically, there's no 50 cents on the dollar tax uh, associated with this, except for maybe 10, 15% of the household's. And that's a little bit more of a complicated discussion, uh, but right. 
for and, most people, this even, is not really a, a tax. And after after four retirement age, there's no earnings test whatsoever. Okay, so if someone reaches their full retirement age and then they they uh, file for Social Security benefits, there's going to be no reduction anytime after they reach full retirement age. Well, there's no reduction after full retirement age whatsoever for earning money. Uh, there's no earnings test that goes to zero. But even before full retirement age, there is an earnings test, which uh, changes in magnitude. The, the last mm-hmm. the year that you turn full retirement age, it becomes a little less severe. But it's not really severe because they're beef, beefing up your benefits or bumping up your benefits uh, when you hit full retirement age uh, to make up for the fact that they took benefits away from you. So it's right. not really a tax. People really need to understand that for 85% of American workers, they should just not worry about losing benefits uh, before full retirement age from working. They should go back to work and mm. not think that they're going to lose lifetime benefits because of doing they do that. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I think it's very interesting. Yeah, some people may say, well, I've already started Social Security early. I took Social Security before my full retirement age. I have an opportunity to work over here. I might, maybe I shouldn't take this job or maybe I shouldn't go back to work since I already started Social Security and they're going to take, you're saying, no, take the job, take the earnings it, because the, the, the cost or what they're going to take away at benefits is only a temporary uh, situation. It's, they're going to make up for it later on. They're going to make it up uh, for almost everybody. It'll be fully made up. Yep. And, uh, the you know it's so stupid that the system you know that our government is mm. tricking people into not working because most people right. who are listening would not know about this adjustment of the reduction factor right because the social security doesn't even describe it on its website yep. <laughs> so most people think they're facing another 50 percent marginal tax other than right. like an extra 50 percent higher bracket uh yes and they, they don't work they're trapped in, yep. in uh you know in retirement and it's just terrible that yeah, that makes the government's sense. not making any the government's not making any money out of this it's the most right. ridiculous it's, thing in the world the government is you right. know, it's takes, a, you know saves money and then gives more money back so it's just ridiculous right it's like a disincentive for them to go back to work because they say hey we're going to reduce your social security if you do but i appreciate what you're saying i think it's very important i hope the uh, listening audience understands you know what you're saying and that is uh just because you took social social security early which is before full retirement age for whatever reason, maybe because you were laid off for a load, yeah. you needed the income, does not mean yeah. that you should automatically not get another job or take another job or take advantage of an opportunity simply because it would reduce your current benefits until you reach full retirement age. As Larry is saying, it will be made up later or more than likely will be made up later when you reach full retirement age. One question in regards to this is, you know, there's a rule I believe, and that is, you have one chance uh, to do a do-over in Social Security, I believe, and that is if in the first year that you start Social Security benefits, if you want to change your mind, you get one chance to do that, and you could pay back all the benefits you received up to that point. Is that still in place? Yeah, you can uh, do what's called a withdrawal of your benefit, regardless of what kind of benefit it is, is that you've uh, applied for. So you have a full year to uh, follow withdrawal, you have to pay back what you received uh, from that benefit. And then it's like you never took the benefit. But uh, there's, a, there's another way to do kind of a do-over, which is uh, the following. Suppose you took, let's say, let's go back to that furloughed person who uh, maybe this person 62 and they're out of work for the next two years. 
maybe they're out of work actually until they get reached full retirement age and then they get a job. And then they say to themselves, gee, I wish uh, I'm stuck here with my age 62 benefit, which is low. I wish I could do something to raise my benefit. Well, what you can do is not withdraw your benefit because then you have to pay back like five or so years of, of benefits, but you can suspend your benefit. And then when you suspend your benefit, you're going to get what's called delayed retirement credits for the next three years. That's 8% higher benefit every year for three years. So over three years, if you wait till 70 from 67 to 70, your benefit will be 20, will start up again at 24% higher value adjusted for inflation. So that's yep. in some sense a do over because you put your benefit okay. on, on hold and, uh, and then you get a higher number later on. Very interesting. Yeah, I like that. That's a good point. So suspending benefits, not, you know, not filing for withdrawal of your benefit, but suspending them. Someone takes Social Security at 65. All of a sudden, they get this great opportunity to you know, become a partner or something. They're making all this income at 67. So they could suspend their Social Security benefits, have it recalculated again, let's say at age 70. Yeah. Or just even okay. if they don't get a job, they can, uh, they can yes. just use their retirement account money. It's much, uh, Social Security, we have to understand, is for almost every single American household, Social Security is the second largest financial asset if it's not the first largest. There's very few people for whom it's the third largest financial asset. So it's a big deal. And it's a much bigger deal than retirement accounts. And you want to, you know, if you're going to take something first, you should be taking your retirement account withdrawals first to sustain yourself and waiting till 70 to take your social security benefit in most cases, not all the cases. I mean, if you uh, want to, if you, for example, have a, a child who's disabled, uh, they can't get a child disabled, disabled child benefit off of your re- record until you start collecting your own retirement benefit. And if you have a, right. uh, let's say a spouse who's taking care of that child, there's something called a child and care spouse benefit. They also can't collect that benefit until mm-hmm. you start taking your retirement benefit. So there are some people, for whom taking the retirement benefits before 70 makes sense. Also, if you know you're mm-hmm. for sure you're not going to make it to 100, you know for sure your maximum age of life is like 80, then you don't want to necessarily wait till 70 to start collecting. Right. So, so there are some health considerations when you're making that decision. But otherwise, oh, yeah. if you're average, you have no known health issues or concerns or family history, uh, the idea would be you know maybe use your own money first, get you to age 70, and then start taking those benefits. Yeah. But even there, you know, you could have, um, I met a, uh, a lovely doctor, uh, years ago at a, at a party. Uh, he had just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He had about two years left to, to go. He was, uh, to live, he was 68 and he, he knew I'd written a book about social security. So he came over and asked me, he said, uh, you know, I just went uh, last month to social security and told them that I have pancreatic cancer and, uh, they said, well, you got to take your benefit immediately. And so I signed mm-hmm. up for it. And I even I said, uh, I noticed your, you know, your wife's here at the party. Uh, does she have an earnings record? No, she's never really worked. Uh, mm-hmm. So she'll receive my benefit. I said, um, please go back to Social Security and withdraw that application mm-hmm. and wait till 70. Uh, don't collect. And even if you collect nothing, your wife will collect a, a, a 16% higher benefit for as a survivor for the rest of her mm-hmm. life. So yep. it, right. So this is a yep. tricky calculation. And it depends on what your spouse's work history has been. Yeah, that's uh, 
Yeah, that's a great point. And that is, it's not just, you know, one person, if you're, if you're married or you're, you know, you have, you have two people that are able to basically use some of the same benefits, your decision impacts your surviving, you know, spouse as it were. So that's yeah. important to take that in consideration. Yeah, it's a joint decision. Yeah. It's a joint decision. Yes. What your wife can get or what your, yep. uh, uh, what your spouse can get depends on what mm-hmm. you do and what you do depends on what you can get right. depends on what uh, your spouse does. So long story short, the, right. The long story short is the surviving spouse always gets the higher of the two social securities. Is that correct? Uh, well, it's a little bit more complicated if the decedent spouse, the spouse who passes away, uh, took their benefit before uh, full retirement age. Then you have um, uh, a different benefit formula for the survivor, which uh, is uh, called the Riblin formula. <laughs> I could wow. spend an hour telling you about it. Yes. It's, it's complicated. <laughs> you need to use, uh, yeah. you know, uh, you mentioned at the start of the show that um, I set up this uh, software company uh yeah, uh, we have a tool called Maximize My Social Security, which um, I don't know using, but anyway, yes. our software helps figure out exactly all this, all these complicated things okay. about what's best to do. Yeah. Yep. Very interesting. So when it comes to, yes, you know, some people get confused between a spousal benefit and a survivor benefit. Uh, just real quickly, if you want to tell someone what's the difference between those two, a spousal benefit versus a survivor benefit. Well, a spousal benefit is um, when your spouse is alive and you have a low earnings record, uh, not just uh, uh, relative to the uh, your other spouse who's collecting. Let's say the husband's collecting and you're the wife and you have uh, a low earnings record relative to your husband, but also just in absolute terms, you've had a very low earnings record mm-hmm. <clears throat> historically. Maybe you've been bringing up the kids and so forth, working at home. Well, in this case, you'll potentially be able to collect on top of your retirement benefit what's called an excess spousal benefit. It will depend, again, on your earnings history versus your uh, husband's. Now, if your husband passes away, now you're in a position to collect a uh, widow's benefit. And the earliest you can do that is at age 60. The earliest you can collect your retirement benefit or a spousal benefit or, or, or an excess spousal benefit is uh, age 62. So. Mm-hmm. The uh, now, if if you're if you are a widow, you have a decision to make, which is complicated. And this again is where software matters uh, a lot. You have to decide whether to take your spouse, your survivor benefit, your widow's benefit first, and your retirement benefit second later. So, for example, you could take your uh, mm-hmm. widow's benefit age 60 if you um, your spouse dies before your age 60. You wait till 60, you can take your widow's benefit and then take your own retirement benefit at 70. That may maximize your lifetime benefits, or yeah. it might be best to wait till to take your retirement benefit at 62 and then take your widow's benefit at an age uh, between 62 and full retirement age. And that age is going to depend, the optimal age there is going to depend on when you're, whether or not your decedent uh, husband it took his social security mm-hmm. reti- retirement benefit before full retirement age. If, if okay. he did, then you don't want to wait till your full retirement age to take your widow's benefit. You want to take it earlier because that's mm-hmm. when this uh, complicated rib limb formula kicks in. And okay. then there's an incentive not to wait so long. Right. So, well, you brought it, up a very, 
Yep, a few very important points there that I want to make sure people understand, and that is the earliest you can draw Social Security based on your own benefits is age 62, but the earliest you can draw benefits as a widow or widower is age 60. And at that point in time, you can either take a, you know, spousal, you know, benefit or a, or, or a survivor benefit, I guess. You can take a survivor benefit or you could wait till 62 and then start your own. Uh, but yeah, it's just no, important that people... Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. If you're disabled uh, and you're a widow, you can start taking a benefit even, uh, I think it's age 50, uh, that you can start taking a widow's benefit. If, if you're disabled. disabled. Okay. All right, very good to know. Yeah. But generally speaking, I guess the spousal benefit, if if one spouse is, they both reach full retirement age and one spouse, based on their earnings, was going to get 2000 a month and the second spouse was going to get 800 a month. Um, then the spousal benefit at least raises that second spouse up to 1000 a month. So they get 50% the higher earning spouses number. Isn't that correct? If they both reach full retirement age. If they both reach full retirement age, the, uh, yeah, they, the, let's say the, the husband's been the lower earner and he mm-hmm. qualifies for an extra spouse benefit. He get his retirement benefit, his full retirement, uh, age benefit, and then he'd get an excess, um, Spouse benefit, which would be calculated as uh, half of his wife's full retirement benefit mm-hmm. minus 100% of his own full retirement benefit. And you're right, mm-hmm. if you add these two components together, it's going to be half. It'll come up to half of her full retirement benefit. Okay. Very good. So, so a couple so, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Finish that thought. Well, I was just saying the spouse benefit is based on your full, on your on your partner's full retirement benefit, whereas the survivor benefit again is is based uh, uh, on what your decedent spouse actually was collecting at the time they died or would have collected had they filed for the benefit uh, at the time they died. Uh, Or if they're under full retirement age before they died and have never filed, they're going to get their, uh, it'll be calculated based on uh, what they would have gotten had they waited to full retirement age. So there's, you know, there's 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook about uh, the 11 right. different benefits that Social Security offers. There's even a parent benefit. It's 12, actually, benefits. And there's hundreds mm. of thousands of rules about these 12 right. benefits. So this is like the most yeah. complicated uh, set of right. uh, uh, bureaucratic provisions ever invented by right. and developed by a man. So unbelievable. Unbelievably I believe it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why even during a conversation like this, it's hard to get down into, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of it. And that's why every person's situation is unique. And I know we'll get to that in just a moment, why that is so important. But uh, I, I think you brought up some very good points there as far as, you know, spousal benefit is based on, you know, full retirement age and the survivor benefit is actually based on the age at which someone took, started taking their benefits when the, the person who passed away took their benefits. The survivor's benefit is based on when they took that, whereas the spousal benefit is based on a full retirement age amount. So I think that's a good distinction. Um, a couple more questions here. I know we need to wrap this up here very soon, but while I've got you here on the call, you know, sometimes people stop early. Maybe, let's say that someone stops working at age 60 and they're going to delay their benefits. They may wait till 62 to start it. They may wait till full retirement age of 67 to start it. Should people assume that their their statement that they get Social Security, excuse me, um, will be higher or lower than what they're projected if they stop working, let's say at age 60, will their 67 amount still be what social security projects? Well, uh, social security is projecting zero inflation and it also, uh, projects, uh, zero 
average wage growth. So mm-hmm. let me put it this way. If you're like 45 and you look at Social Security's projections, they're uh, definitely biased downward um, significantly. You could be given a number that's about 20% lower than the true number will be uh, because we don't expect there to be zero inflation going forward, nor do we expect there to be no wage growth uh, economy-wide. So uh, misprojecting, uh, giving you bad advice uh, gets less when you're age 60 and beyond. They're pretty accurate what they're going to tell you. For sure. Okay. So that no one should expect, hey, yeah. if I stop at 60, I'm probably not going to get what it said I would have gotten in 67. You can pretty much count on you would get. It's the same thing where some people get closer to retirement and all of a sudden they may take a job that's not their highest paying job. And so they're concerned that, hey, if I'm making $100,000 a year all the way to age 62, now between 62 and 67, I took a job just because I'm comfortable with it. I'm making $60,000 a year. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to get less from Social Security at age 67. That is not the case. No, you're going to possibly get you're going to possibly get more because mm-hmm. the earnings. You could be working at age 80, and let's say you're making above the ceiling, which is around 140 thousand dollars, the taxable maximum. Uh, let's say you're you're earning that much money. Let's say you're earning 200 thousand dollars at age 80. Well, your benefit next year and forever after will be higher, beyond the increase associated with the cost of living adjustment. Because mm. your earnings record will include uh, a year, uh, the way they do the calculation of the what's called average monthly earnings, it goes into this PIA, this primary insurance amount for retirement benefit mm. calculation. The way they do that, it incorporates all your years of earnings from age 16 right up through the last year of your work. I mean, mm-hmm. if you work last year, your age 80 includes that mm. last year's uh, earnings. And... You can keep raising your uh, your uh, average monthly earnings number and uh, keep getting a benefit kicker. Very uh, interesting. Exactly. That's a good yeah. point. I think a lot of people just assume age 70, even if you work after age 70, you can't do anything to increase your benefits, but you can by continuing to have high earnings. Yeah, very interesting. Absolutely, yeah. One, yeah. you know, Although one final... It may, it may not, you know, it may not cover your extra payroll taxes, yeah. clear, <laughs> right? Or Medicare uh, payments or something like that. But yes. On the other hand, you know, there are. I do want to say there are some people that have had very spotty earnings histories because of many reasons, and uh, for them, working another year or two could raise their lifetime benefits by a lot more than the extra payroll taxes. So, mm-hmm. because of the progressive nature of the benefit formula, so for some people, again, here's where the software can really help. Mm-hmm. For some people, uh, it really uh, is a freebie to work more in terms of Social Security. You know, right. your, your extra taxes are less than your extra benefits. Right. Yeah. Well, Larry, I really appreciate the time today. I have one final question for you, and that is if you just have one piece of advice for everyone who wanted to maximize their Social Security benefits, is there, if there's such a thing as one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, there's... It's this. You you can't uh, count on dying on time. Okay. Uh, you can't just like you can't count on not having cancer or not uh, totaling your car or not having your house burned down. So you have to insure yourself against that worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario is you live to a uh, hundred. And you have and the reason that's the worst case financially is uh, not psychologically, but financially, it's the worst case because you have to keep paying for yourself if you live to 100. So that's a catastrophic right. event. And so mm-hmm. you have to worry about that. And waiting until 70 
to get the highest possible benefit is giving you that benefit all the way up to age 100. So that's giving you insurance. You're buying, in yep. effect, by giving up benefits for eight years, uh, yeah, you may die at age 72, but guess what? You'll be in heaven and not need any money. So don't kick <laughs> right. yourself in heaven. Right. right. And if you do live to be 100, you have gotten 30 years worth of Social Security payments at the highest possible level. Exactly. And that's right. really what people need to And only 2% of people are taking, waiting until 70 to collect. So almost everybody's making the wrong move here. Amazing. Wow. That's a huge stat right there at the end. Larry Kotlikoff, really appreciate it. Anything that you want people to know if they want to learn more about you, your uh, your book, your materials, your software? I don't know if you work directly with the public or with just financial sure. advisors, but if, if people in the audience want to learn more about you, what's the best place to get information from you? Uh, okay. So I'll give you uh, three websites. One is kotlikoff.net. So it's just my last name, K-O-T-L-I-K-O-F-F.net. I'm a professor of economics at Boston University, so if you forget the, how to spell my name and just look for you know, the faculty list there, you'll see uh, the only guy with a K in his name is me. Uh, <laughs> the other, uh, there's MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com is our social security tool. And then we have another tool that also does social security optimization but does full financial planning and helps you find other safe ways to raise your, money, your living standard. And that's called Maxify.com. It's M-A-X-I-F-I.com. M-A-X-I-F-I.com. Excellent. Uh, Larry, really appreciate it. Uh, I know we went a little bit uh, longer on the time of this podcast, but I know that this particular topic is is obviously, like you said, either the largest or the second largest asset that someone has living on in retirement and uh, really probably cannot spend enough time on it. But I'm hoping that uh, the audience, the people listening to the show today, will find a great value in it. Certainly, you can go to kotlikoff.net, MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com, or MaxAfly.com and learn more about Larry and his uh, materials and his research. Uh, appreciate it so much, Larry. Thank you for being with us today. It's, it's a great pleasure. Guys, this was fantastic. I, I... <laughs> Yeah, you went over time, you know, the the longer podcast, that's okay, but I can tell that you barely, barely right. scratched the surface on this issue, yes. so holy cow. Um, I, I can see Larry coming back yes. in a future episode, maybe next year, later mm -hmm. next year, to see how we're doing in 2021. Uh, again, Larry, thank you so much for being on the show, and of course, Stephen, thank you so much for bringing Larry on the show and helping our audience get just a, a glimpse at all the different options. I, I think, mm -hmm. I can't quote Larry, but I think he said there's tens of thousands right. of, of <laughs> rules and regulations yes. and good grief. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you wade through that? And that's yeah, exactly you what you do is you bring on an expert. Yeah, yep. obviously too, is to work with, you know, financial planners and financial planning teams. We have, we have Absolutely. access to Larry, his software and those kinds of things too. Very important not to do this alone. Yeah. Again, Larry, I thank you so much for being on the show. Stephen, of course, I'm thanking you for bringing him on the show because you have these experts lined up uh, that you work with and that you can rely on for the work that you do. And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Simplify Your Retirement Podcast with Stephen Strickland. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Stephen comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Wise Wealth, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wise Wealth LLC or Simplify Your Retirement. 
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of a financial advisor or other qualified financial professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.